0: All right, so let me dive right on into this thing, what I want to talk about. And, uh, and what I'm going to talk with you about today is, if you're a parent, it's the most important thing in your life, right? And it's not your job, it's not your bank account. If you're a parent, the most important thing in your life is your children, right? Your children. So I'm going to talk to you today about children. God said, when he laid this on my heart, he said, I want you to encourage your people to grow super kids. Right? So everybody say, if you're a parent, say, I'm growing a super kid, right? That's right. That doesn't make right, kids, that doesn't mean you have superpowers and you have control over your parents, all right? Because when I get through, you may be No, I'm just kidding. Right. This is a story to encourage you. God wants you to know that you need to grow up kids that can withstand all of the evil that's in this great and awesome world that we live in today. Amen. But your children should be a priority in your life. And as most parents, it is. I mean, you know, with the exception of a few cases. right? But, I mean, let's be real. If a parent uh, gets pushed against the wall because you're affecting their children, mama bear will come out. And daddy daddy bear will come out. You know, it gets dangerous. People get hurt, right? We love our children. And and they should be a priority in our life. And I'm going to tell you, God has blessed me with one of the most amazing people in my life person, and that is uh, Pastor Michelle here, because she is called to, to parents, and she is called to instruct uh, other parents, and she's called to, 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 to instruct children. She just has an un- amazing, an amazing gift at doing that, and I'm so thankful that, that God put her in my life, you know, for a lot of reasons, but that's one of them. Right and 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 I'm buttering her up because I'm going to pick on her here in a minute. But but that's just the simple truth, you know. And if anybody that knows us, if you've been around us any time, you know that we love children. I mean, we had we had uh, well, I, I call them children, but they're you know college age kids at the house last night till till time to go to bed, you know. And I'm like, see you guys. I'm going to bed, you know. But what our family is all about helping children and helping family other families with children. understand, understand that purpose. And you know, I learned so much about Michelle when we first got married. And uh, you know, we would I remember we would sit around and we would joke, you know, about oh when we're gonna have kids. You know how it is when you first get married, you know, Brandy, well she's already got a kid. So, you know, when you joke you joke around about how many kids are we gonna have? I'm gonna have four. I'm gonna have three. You know, I'd always say two, three, or four. And then she went over there, 16, 17, you know, and I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> that's so funny. You know, that's so funny. She's laughing, you know. And I'm like, what are you doing? You? You're crazy, you know. What are you talking about, 16? And so let me just tell you something. I thought that was the end of it right there. But when I went to Raymond, I'm going to tell you a funny story. I'm going to kind of pick on you a little bit. It's okay. I love you. You're so beautiful. I love you. That, you know. But <laughs> I learned something early on in our relationship. She does what she wants to do. And her brother says, amen, right? Because he's sitting right there. And I learned in her mom's, she's just being nice, you know. They they, they know, they know. When she sets her mind to do something, she's going to do it, you know. And I don't know if she gets that from Mama D or if she gets that from Pop or if it's a combination or what, but I love it. You know, That's actually one thing that, it, that did attract me to her was that I didn't want to try to come in and be someone's savior in a relationship. You know, There are different people that like that. Some men like to do that. I like a woman that's confident and able to take care of herself and all that. And so that, and see, I'm buttering you up again. You know, I'm helping you out here. But that was one of, the things that, one of the things that attracted me to her. But I remember talking about kids now. I, we had sold our business, and I was going to Bible college, and we, let, we sold our business. We went, and I had just bought her a, a new Jeep. You know, when we first met, she had a Jeep, and she looked so cute in that thing with her hair flying in the wind, you know, the top off of it, you know. I was like, wow, you know, and so, but we sold the Jeep, you know, long story, won't get into that, but so she liked the Jeep. So anyway, we sold our business, and we had three kids, Austin, Anna, and Help, at home, and uh and so I went, and, and I bought her a new Jeep Commander. It was when Jeep Commander first came out. You know, it was their first seven-passenger. Beautiful. I love this thing. Four-wheel drive, everything imaginable on it. And that was hers. You know, it was hers. I got you a Jeep, baby. It was even the color of her other Jeep. You know, she couldn't get a... They didn't have the four-door Jeeps at the time, so we couldn't get a Jeep, uh, a, a Jeep Wrangler to, to carry the babies. So anyway, so I got her this Jeep, Jeep Commander, and I, and I loved it. I assumed she loved it. So we go, okay, we go to, we go to Raymond, we go, and I'm working at the school, and I'm working in the garage there. And, uh, see, we get a new van in at the garage, a 15-passenger van. Now, this is a big school, big church. I mean, they've got like 16, 15-passenger vans. They've got like nine buses. I mean, there's always some commotion, students, or some activity, they're using equipment. And we got a new van. And a new 15-passenger van in the shop for me said, hey, you know, I was taking that Saturday off. And, and I had come in to let him know, hey, I'm not going to be here Saturday, you know. And he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Kansas. And he's like, what in the world are you going to Kansas for? And I said, well, I don't really know either. But my wife said they're having a walnut or a little house on the prairie event. And he was like, what's that? I said, I don't know. I'm being a good husband. I'm just pretending. I'm going along with this. I don't know, you know? And she's all excited. We're going to see Laura Ingalls. I'm like, yay, you know? And so (laughs) I'm really going somewhere with this. Stick with me. So we get the van, and I'm like, and and Don's looking at me like, why don't I just be a good husband? I'm like, I'm being a good husband. So he said, well, take the van. We need to get some miles on it before we put it in the system and start letting this thing get out in the city and starts traveling around, you know? So take it, you know, it was about three hour drive up there. And we drive up and I mean we we're all the kids. They're little. You know how they're fun when they're little. I know marrying them out of them. Out. They're right at that age. You know, they're fun. Everything's fun. No matter what you're doing, it's fun. Anna's dressed, out, dressed up in this little house on the prairie dress with a little bonnet. You know, I'm like, ooh, there really is people that follow this thing, you know. And I'm like, maybe there's something I need to know about my life that I don't know. But I'm being a good husband, all right, you know, because she's going to do what she wants to do, right. So, <laughs> so we go on, and we get up there, and we get up there, and we pull up. And then they're having a big event. There's a lot of people that followed this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we need to pray for these people, right. And no, I'm just kidding. I really enjoyed it. It was. We got out, and I'm staring at a barn in a, in a, a one shack. It wasn't a barn. It was a one-room shack, and she's like, oh, you know, talking about this, that. And I'm like, okay, you know. I'm like, all right, you know. He-he, you know, and the kids are running around, you know. We had a good day, all right. And so we take the van back, and she just loved the van. I'm like, this is so cool, you know. It's Look at all the room we have. And I'm like, yeah, 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 it's a van, you know. What about it, you know. And so we get back, and, and, and I go back to school and back to work. And then Michelle comes up with this, I just want to go home and visit the family. Well, I can't go. I'm in school, and I'm working. I'm like, well, go ahead, babe. Go ahead. Visit the family. Tell them I love them. You know, I'll see them when we can, you know. Drive safe, blah, 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 blah. I'll take the kids. So she goes home, and I get a phone call about two days later. Hey, what you doing? Hey, what you doing? You know, and I'm like, when she does that, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, what's going on? You know, last time she did that in our house, I come home from work and there's a bird cage built up in the corner of the living room, and there's birds flying around and trees all, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. So you never know when she wants to do something, she's gonna do it, right? And so she calls and she said, guess where I'm at? And I'm like, where? I'm at the Ford dealership. I'm like, you are? She said, yeah. So I found a van I want. I'm like, van? Why would you want a minivan? Why do you want to go from a jeep to a minivan? I'm thinking, what? Okay, I'm like, well, you know, that's fine with me, you know. I really want to say, well, you're gonna do what you want to do anyway, you know. Not really, but she was, she was like, is that okay with you? I said, well, it's your jeep, you know. If you want a van, if you want a van, get a van. I thought she was getting a minivan, and so I said, all right, done deal. She did it, and didn't see a picture of it or anything. She drives it back, and I'm at work. And I'm in the shop, you know, and there's a, there's a little fence in there, and she pulls in. I didn't know it was her until I saw Allison and Ann and Hamp hanging out of the window. Daddy, daddy, daddy. And she's driving this big van. She pulls up in a 12 passenger van, not a minivan, but a big van. And watch this. Now, I promise you, this first thing out of her mouth, I said, What are you going to do with that thing? I'm going to fill it up with kids. That's exactly what she said. And I said, oh my God, Lord, help me now, you know. <laughs> but listen, <laughs> that was precious, though. And we did fill it up with kids, not all our kids. That van was a blessing to so many organizations. Missionaries used that van. and, and, and My gosh, it, it's, and actually, that van's sitting right out there, you know, in front of the trailer. That van has been around and... It's, it's hauled a lot of kids. But all of that to say we love kids. You know, we have a non-profit, Manifold Mercies. And most people don't know what non- that Manifold Mercies is. But it is a nonprofit that works in the country of Ukraine, prim- primarily teenagers. Because, I mean, you know, ke- teenagers are typically the ones that get overlooked. People love to help the little babies and the, the little kids. But when it, they, get, they get a little tougher when they're teenagers, right? And so that's what Manifold Mercies does. And we help kids with life skills and hopefully with the intention of getting them adopted. So long story short, we love kids. I mean, we have seven kids. Seven kids. That's a big family, you know. And and the great thing is, is they're not kids anymore. They'll always be kids to me. But they've all grown up to be great, great and awesome men and women of God. And I'm very happy, you know. And I, w- I would say I'm very proud, but remember God told me in here, don't fall into pride because when, if you're proud of your kids, you're really proud of yourself and don't fall into that. I'm very pleased with my children. I'm very pleased with how they turned out. And, 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 and they're, I mean, it's just great. And they're my priority. They're our priority, and we love that. And God says that's what we should all be doing with our children. But the fact that they turned out to be such great men and women of God, it's not any glory to us. And it's not because they went to a special school. It's not because they were a part of a special program or special government program or anything like that. And those things help, you know. Don't misunderstand me there. But that's not what, in our case, I'm just telling you what worked for us, that wasn't our case. I mean, that, that, that wasn't the reason. The reason they turned out to be such great men and women of God, and they're not perfect. Listen, none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect, amen? Right, but they're still very good... And great men and women of God. And I look forward to what God's going to do to them. But the reason they turned out that way is because Michelle and I, right, we did something very important early on in our lives when we decided to have kids. All right, everybody okay, right? We're awake. We did something very important. Now, I'm not saying you need to do this. This is what worked for us. You don't just follow up and do exactly what somebody does. I Follow after God and see how he leads you for your situation. But this worked for us. We decided at an early age, or earlier on as we were having kids, that we were going to be a single family income. In other words, we were going to live off of one income. And, and we decided, and the reason for that was so that we could parent our children, how we needed to, felt like, they, how God led us to parent our children. And so by doing that, we were able to instill into them a solid foundation, most importantly, a solid biblical foundation in our children. Amen? A solid, because let me tell you something, your foundation's everything. That's actually, and I actually titled this, Mom and Dad, the Builder, because if you don't realize it, you're building something with your kids. The question is, what are you building? Amen. What are? Because see, you can get your priorities all mixed up, especially in this world that's so consumed with stuff and things. And uh, we deal with a lot of people, and I uh, and, and, and people get into situations where they're they're sacrificing time with their kids so that they can mom and dad can work to have a big house, or to have multiple cars, or to have a lake house, or have this house, and that, or you just have stuff. Is it worth it? Well, if your kids are a priority, you're, they're not going to do that, right? Amen. Now, I'm not saying, is that you know I'm not speaking against having stuff, but just make sure you're keeping your kids priority. And, and, and listen, you're building something great for these kids. You're building a masterpiece. You're building a super kid. That's what God wants you to build. Amen. He, and you know, and you got to remember something. We've all been given a mandate as a parent. We've been given a mandate. And when you become a parent, that's the time where you actually put your desires on hold for a little bit. Most mom and daddies know what I'm talking about. You, put, you stop trying to be the, the the 20-year-old that's chasing around, doing the fun things, and you stop doing, trying to pursue all of the, the big things that you want. Your focus and your priority becomes your kids, right? You put them first, right? Because we've been, we've been given a mandate, and we understood this mandate, and that's in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7. But if you're a parent, you're building a masterpiece, and you need to be getting a solid foundation into your children of what the Word of God says about everything. Remember, we talk about our job, my job is to help you form beliefs based off of the one thing that we know is true, which is the Word of God, so that you can allow those beliefs to control how you respond to actions in the world, right? Because there's a lot of people responding to actions in the world just off of emotions and off of feelings. Come on, just because you get angry or feel a certain way doesn't mean that God's in that situation and that you should react to those feelings, because let me tell you something, they can bring you down some dark roads, Feelings and emotions change; they're always fluctuating. But the word of God is true. It's why you use the word of God as a filter to run everything through. When somebody tries to get you into something or pulls you into doing something, always go, "Wait a minute! What does the word of God say?" Amen. And it's very important, and, and then you need to learn you need to learn to instill that into your kids, right? Because they got to respond to life just like we do. All right, Deuteronomy six. Verses 6, it says, and I'm going to read this out of the New Living. It says, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Well, the commands that he's given us are, that's his word. It's, It's written, it's inspired, written for us to live by. Right? This is what we are supposed to commit ourselves to. This is what we're supposed to live our life to. This is what we're supposed to gauge every situation in life. Everything that we do, we run it through the Word of God filter first, right? So you do that first. And then it goes on in verse 7. It tells you, it says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Guys, he's letting us know you need to keep them. Don't you hesitate. Don't you slow down. You keep the Word of God. You keep the things of God in front of your children because you're teaching them. You're building a masterpiece, right? Because let me tell you something, and there's no sweet way to sugarcoat this. I will be held accountable for how I teach the spiritual children in this church. That's why a pastor is considered a spiritual father to the people that God brings to that church for that season, for that time, right? And the same principle is true for parents in the natural you will be held accountable for how you raise these children, how you, the, what you instill into these children one day, right? And I know a lot of people don't like to say, say that. Well, that scares people. Don't mention that. Well, listen, it's not fair for me not to say some, a truth from the Bible because I'm afraid of, it may scare you because that does you an injustice. You don't know how to make an adjustment in your life. Amen. But listen. That's the mandate we've been given, which is to teach your children God's Word. That needs to be the foundation, right? So that they can hear and act on God's Word just like we do, which is how we live our lives, remember? We're called to live our lives, according to Scripture, we are called to live by faith, not by sight, not by feelings, not by emotions, not by the circumstances around us, but by faith, which is... The faith in God's Word, what He tells us, how He leads us. Come on. That's how we're called to live. And we need to learn to react from what the Word of God says in every situation, right? And let me tell you something. That doesn't come naturally to kids. Too, many, too often, parents overlook it. And they expect somebody else to teach their children this. And they really expect the church to do it. And I'm going to be honest with you. And this, this is just the way society is today. We cannot teach enough word in your children or even in here for just 45 minutes a day. And you get it one, day, one time a week. Amen. An hour if I go long, right? Okay, so we'll say an hour, right? Now quit looking at me like that, right? <laughs> and you know, one of the, one of the biggest things is, is you've got to realize kids are learning from you. They're watching you. And a lot of parents say, well, I can't teach. I'm just not a teacher. I can't do it. You know, and, that's, and this isn't a jab at anybody, but think about it. When you become a parent, it's time for you to put your own desires and your own flesh aside because you've now got a new priority in your life. And that means you may have to do some things that you don't want to do. That means you may have to get up and do things that you, that you otherwise wouldn't do if you didn't have the children, right? And I'm going to tell you something, you can teach your children because we have a covenant with God concerning our children. And if we have a covenant with God, that means that if He's blessed you with a child, what does He that He does whenever He gives you a task? Whenever he gives you a task at anything that he's called you to do, he gives you the gifting of the talent and the skills to do the task. And I'm going to tell you something. Every person, every parent has the natural God-given ability to teach their children. Now, you may have to step into that. That's why we encourage people all the time. We give them little nudges to step into their potential. Because sometimes if you don't push people a little bit, they'll just get comfortable and stay there until Jesus comes. But let me tell you something. There's a lot more potential in most everybody in this room. And all they need is a little nudge. I mean, some people need a kick, you know. Get out there and do it. And you may have to step into that. I'm not saying you've got to homeschool your kids, but you need to be understanding what the example you're setting before your kids because you're teaching them whether, you're, whether you realize it or not, they're learning from you, all right? Because let me tell you something about kids. They want to be like mom and dad. They're watching what you do. They're watching what you say. And let me tell you something. They will, they will mimic you. They, I used to come home from work, or get a, you know, and I'd come in, and Anna and Hank would have my little boots on, you know, like these, and they're trying to walk around. And Hank would have his little plastic hammer, you know, playing, trying to be like me. Why is it kids do that? Why is it they do? They do that because of, it's a natural reflex. They're wanting your attention. They want affection from you. They're like, Mom, Dad, I'm just like you. Come love me. That's why. And it's naturally going to happen. Right, So they're learning on you. They're learning from you, whether you realize it or not. I, I, when I was, I, I, was, I was talking with a pastor, a friend of mine, a, a while back, well, about three weeks ago, and he was telling me a story. He said, you're not going to believe what happened, son. And I'm like, well, you know, we kind of do this sometimes. I don't ever talk about y'all, though. Y'all are great, perfect. But he said, he said, he said, I came out of church. Now, this is a big church in a big city. they probably got about twelve, thirteen hundred 1,300 members. And, I mean, it, it's a big city, so they've got a... A, a, a billboard on the side of the highway there, the interstate there and uh, and he said, I came out of church the other day and I'm walking out and I'm always talking to the kids, this, that and the other he said, one of the elementary kids comes up and says, hey pastor so and so, he said you know what, and he said, what's that buddy he said, my mom and dad said you need to get a new picture on that sign out on the road, they said that picture makes you look bald <laughs> <laughs> and he just bought you know he just said, Well, I didn't really know how to take that, you know. And I thought, Why are you telling me that? Because I know my hairstylist there. She's always telling me, Hey, we gotta get a rug, you're gonna need a rug, you know. Uh we're not getting a rug. No, she really don't do that. <laughs> but but hey, kids will repeat what you say. If you don't believe it, you should just have conversations with your children's workers, with your elementary workers, because I'm gonna tell you something. They can write books for what kids say that their parents say, are repeating from what their parents say, and that some of them will make you roll in the floor laughing. But <laughs> trust me, they will. They're learning from you, whether you realize it or not. You know, Ephesians five one tells us that, that we are to imitate, um, we are to be to imitate God, just as children imitate their parents. See, it's a biblical principle, right? So they're naturally going to do that and they're naturally going to, 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 to learn from you and they're going to naturally well, uh, want uh, uh, to be like you. So you've got to think about what is the example you're setting before your kids, right? I mean, think about it. This is a tough one, guys, because I remember before I knew Jesus, I wasn't living a good example before my kids. I thought I was, but I was leaving a worldly example before my kids. Thank God I got Jesus in my life. Amen? Things changed. But now... Through all of this, we and you're building this great masterpiece, you're building up these super kids, right? So that they can withstand the world. Because you've got to remember something, we're in a battle between good and evil. The world is trying to do everything that it can by the world, who's the ruler of the world, Satan, is trying to do everything and he uses his influence in the world to steal your kids from you and from God. Because remember, he deceives to divide to destroy that's His plan, right? And so hey, we're in a world, and we need to be building up super kids, right? As well as ourselves, okay? But I'm talking about kids today, right? But we need to be building up super kids that can withstand. So they need that foundation of God's Word. Because if, if you're going to build anything, you better build it on a solid foundation. I mean, I, I've shared this. I'm in mean, construction, I know. I can tell you story after story after story. I've seen million-dollar multi- properties they had to be tore down because the foundation was wrong, right? So I mean, you got you got to get that foundation right, and the greatest foundation and the only foundation that needs to be in your children is God's word, right? Because you got to think about something. If you want them to live the blessed life that God intended to them, you have to do some things. You got to do some work, and you got to instill in your kids. You got to instill in your kids, and it, the younger they are, the better. Right? You've got to instill in them a respect and a reverence and an honor for God, God's house, but most importantly, God's Word. Because, see, God's Word is what God gave us. Remember, the Scripture says that, that God's Word came and came flesh on the earth. That means He became Jesus. God's Word became... Jesus became the Word. And then He walked among us. He dwelled among us. And then He was here for a season performing miracles and, and raising the dead and healing the sick. And He was... What was He doing? He was letting... He was teaching us. He was being the example for us for a season. And then Jesus left. He had to be the... He had to go to heaven. He had to pay the price, be the sacrifice. But what did He leave us? He left us the Holy Spirit... And he left us the inspired word. And Jesus tells us in John, greater works will we do than he did while he's here on the earth. Why? Because God sent his word in the Holy Spirit. Right? And that's why how, you talk about the, we talked about last week about how God empowers us through his word. And I mean, I'm going to tell you something. You better, this is what you got to get in you. It's got to come in you. Gosh! Oh my gosh! You got to you got to get full. We were talking about at corporate prayer Friday night, and, and, and Jessica's friend here was from was here from Florida, and she was talking about how God revealed to her through, through at the time of prayer that how how we needed to be full, so full, full of the things of God, so that when the pressures of this world come on you, that what's coming out of you, right? You ever been around somebody and they they. Uh, and they smash their thumb or something with a hammer. And then what comes out of their mouth is really, really, you know, come on. Come on, been there, done that, right? But what's coming out of you when the pressure's come? Amen. When you're falling off of a cliff, are you, are you, are you yelling out to a God or are you just cussing at the world? Come on, what's in you? So you've got to replace what's, for replace the, the, the ways of this world with the Word of God and get it inside you. And you got Listen, we have to instill that honor in our children and that respect. You know, people always make fun of, of, of people that, that used to, we don't do it anymore, that used to wear their best suit to church. Now, man got all involved in all that, and then everybody was all about, hey, see, who could look the best to come to church. But the reason we did that was it was a matter of reverence for God's house, right? You wanted to show God's, you, you're give, you wanted to give God your best. That's why you did that, right? It's not a matter of, and I know we've, we've gotten really lax with that in society, and that's okay. I mean, I'm mean, i here in jeans in a, in a uh, what do you call this, a sweatshirt, I don't know. Uh, I'm very comfortable. Put it that way, right? Listen, you you got to instill that and get the Word of God in your children so that that when all the situations of life hit them, and they're going to hit them. Come on, we all face them. Come on, let's be real. right? We're not living on on marshmallow clouds here. But when those situations come, that Word is what rises up out of them. Come on, and that empowers them to overcome whatever they're faced with in life. You know, it's just like when, 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 when Jesus said that we'll do the greater works than Him. But you go back a few verses earlier and He says that the words that I speak are not mine, they're Father's, the Father that lives in me. See, when all Jesus did was speak what God told Him to speak when he was praying for people or raising the dead or performing a miracle. He was doing what God told him to do. And when he spoke what God told him to speak, God that lives in him, come on, came on the scene and whatever, and gave into manifestation the miracle that needed on the situation. Guys, it's the same for us. He left us the Word. He left us His Word. And He's the same Father that's inside You, the same Father that was inside Jesus. There's not two different ones here, right? You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And when you pray for somebody, come on, this is what we need to get back to doing. When you pray and you pray God's words, you're not speaking your words. You're speaking His words. And when you speak His words, they carry power. Glory to God. And it's the same God comes on the scene and brings the miracle. Glory to God. See, we don't realize how important it is, number one, of when we say greater is he that's in us than that's in the world. It's the same God that came on the scene just as Jesus was walking the earth, doing miracle after miracle after miracle. Amen. Speaking the words that God told him to speak. Well, speak the words God has given us when you pray and we believe by faith. Amen. Now, look with me at Second Timothy. I want to show you something. I'm going to read this. Uh, Second Timothy, beginning in verse 1. Uh, I'll read this out of King James. we will start in the King James, and I don't know where I'll stop. I'll read it down here because this is this is, we've we've talked about this this passage of scripture because this scripture describes, as a matter of fact, in King James, it says it talks about perilous times, right? And what this is talking about is talking about the last days times. And a lot of people well, they avoid these scriptures. You know, they think, oh, you know, that when you talk about the last days, that's so. That's scary, and this, that, and the other, but we know it doesn't scare us. We know it, it's coming, and when you read this, and you, and you see the parallels with what's happening in the world today, you'll understand that we're in, the, we're in this time. Now, I'm not saying the world's coming to an end after church, right? But it, we've been, actually, if you really study it out, we've been in the last days for decades right now, but we're still in there, right? Verse 1, it says, to This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, that word, that word perilous right there, if you break that down, that's actually translated from the word kalipos. Calip, calip, I, I don't know. Maybe that's right. All right. All right. And that word is very significant when you break it down. That word is only used one other time in the Bible. And that's back, in, I think, in Matthew chapter 8. And what that word actually means, it means exceedingly fierce. So that means in the, end, in the last days, there's going to be some very difficult times. Now, people think that to mean that there's difficult times to mean that we're just going to be... It's going to just be so blatant and so in our face. But you've got to remember, the devil's the master deceiver. It's going to be difficult times, but things are going to be coming up subtly. This is why you've got to be on your toes and you've got to be paying attention. And this is why you've got to know the Word of God, right? So, then it goes on. He says there are going to be perilous times. And he goes on, he says in verse 2, it says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's very true. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Hmm. Unth- every teacher said amen. Unthankful, holy, without natural affection. Right? I mean, you see, this is so obvious. There's so lack, there's very little compassion for other people nowadays. Not everybody, but you're seeing that more. Truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good. So you're losing sight of what's good and what's evil. What's good and what's wrong. What's good, you know We're losing sight of that in the days. Verse 4, it says, There are going to be traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now that's very important because people want to be godly in the last days, but they want to deny the power of what God tells us to do. Because remember, God told us that we're going to, lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover, right? And then Jesus, he, he performed miracles and, and, and he, he raised the dead and He did all of that by speaking the words that God told Him to speak. And then He goes on to tell us that we're going to do greater things than He did. Well, why are we not doing that? It's because people don't understand who they're living in. They're losing sight of what God's called us to do because we should be laying hands on the sick. Glory to God. I have a friend of mine, he's an evangelist. And, I mean, every time I talk to him, and he's a, he has a healing anointing on him, and, I mean, he just, he just shares story after story, legs growing out, people getting out of wheelchairs. I mean, glory to God. The power of God is the same today as it was back in the time Jesus was here. The difference is we're not responding from the Word of God and pursuing the sick because God doesn't, sickness does not come from God, right? Sickness comes from this fallen, broken world. Amen. All right, now that's a whole other sermon. We'll keep going. It says, verse 6, For this sort of which they creep into houses, led captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. Now, yeah, that's very obvious. In verse 7, it says, Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, that, that, that verse right there is very important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that out of the New Living because it puts it just a little bit more simple, but very easy. Verse 7, Verse uh, 7, uh, It says, such women are forever following new teachings, but they're never able to understand the truth. Think about the days that we're living in. Everybody is pursuing knowledge. Nothing wrong with that. We should pursue knowledge, right? But it should be balanced with the Word of God. Because right now you have people looking, and they're going after career, after degree or degree, after degree, and they're trying to obtain information, right? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Well, what he's telling us right there is that's, what, that's going to be everybody's goal is to get information, right? But what we, and they're not ever going to get to the place of revelation. See, if you're just reading stuff to gain information, to get you somewhere, but if you're not getting a full revelation of what God is calling you to do and what he's telling you to do through his word, then you're not getting it, right? It's the same way with reading your Bible. If you're reading it just to try to memorize verses... You're just obtaining information. But see, you're not getting any revelation from it. The revelation comes from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is telling you and leading you and guiding you. Because how does God primarily lead His people? Through His Word. Come on, you've got to get revelation of it, not just information. You're not just memorizing verses. You need to understand the context. This is why we should be rightly dividing the Word of God. This. See, I mean, being a Christian is, is, is work. It's very much work. But now, so we're talking about all of this. We're talking about all of these are some bad things that's going on in the world, right? In the days that we're in. So now, think about this. If you don't want those things to come, you should not want those things to come to pass in you, right? It should should pull you back and let you open your eyes. Do I fall into any of that? Do I fit into any of that? Do I make it? need to make an adjustment in our life. But it, this, we're talking about children today. So if you don't want those things to, to, to come to pass in your children, what do you do? Well, if you keep reading, go up down to verse 14, it tells us. It says, you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught, that you know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. If you don't want those things to come to pass, then they need to stick to the things that they've been taught and hopefully you've been teaching them the things of the Word and that, that one thing that we know is true and that that's what they can stick to, that's what they can apply to their life and that that's what they can respond from. Amen? Because let me just face it, everybody believes something whether you believe in God or not. Now, you either believe He exists, you believe His Word, you know, or if you don't, then you're in the world, you're atheist, you're believing something and it's based on something. In other words, you're based on what you believe or an opinion of somebody or something. All we got to do is make sure that we're basing what we believe off of the Scripture. and We're making sure that our children are basing what they believe off of the Scripture, right? And then responding to life accordingly. That's it. That's all we have to do. Amen. And it's so important that we get those things. And if you read on right there in verse 15, it says, You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And it goes on, it says, and they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus. They have, it has given you, the scriptures give you wisdom when you read it. Amen. That's why you got you to dig in there and you got you to gotta read it. You got to go after it. And, it's so, and it goes on in verse 16, it says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Come on, you should be reading the Scripture as much as you possibly can read. Because it will look what it says. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Because this is why you immerse yourself in the Word. It brings wisdom. And the great thing is, is verse 17 tells us what God does with it. He says, God uses it, which is His Word, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. What's his good work? Ephesians 2.10. The good work is just the plan God has for your life. Amen. Glory to God. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's never been a time where it's so important that when parents are, are, not, are, are building that foundation in that masterpiece in their house. It, get them, getting them solidly equipped. Get a solid foundation. You know, we talked about how the eagle... And we should be eagle Christians, how the eagles build their nest on the high in the mountains where the wind is high, but they build it on a solid rock where it's immovable, right? We need to build our lives like that because we know the Scripture tells us that Jesus is that rock, amen? Because I'm going to tell you something. Our children are trying to be stolen from us. We live in a world that's trying to separate Remember, this world is always it's ruled by Satan and it's always trying to separate us. It's trying to, trying to, to, to pull us one way or another. And, and I'm going to tell you something. Our kids are getting pulled a lot of different directions. Did you know that I was doing a study and according to Regent University that uh, 3% of millennials, they haven't gotten any further than that. They're only through the millennials now. 3% of the millennials only believe that the Word of God is true, right? They don't believe that that, that the Word of God is true. They believe that truth is something that you make because you can be anything you want, you can do anything you want, you can live anything, because this is what the world tells them. There is no standard, right? The standard you create yourself, right? And that's kind of scary right there because we have to have a standard. Amen? Of course, we know the standard is the Word of God. But the point is, is this is the influence that's on our kids. Well, those kids are going to grow up. Right? They're, going to get, they're going to grow up and go over to God. So we've got to make sure that we're, we're, we're teaching our kids to respond from the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing greater than, seeing, than, than taking the time, the season. And it's a short season when you have your kids. You know, 18 years on average. Uh, and you put all you can into them. And you, and you pour your heart, you, you put yourself on the back burner, they're your priority, you're teaching them, you're leading them, you're guiding them, you're helping them through life. You know, you're letting them make mistakes so they can learn, and, and you're doing all these great things, and then you see them when they, when they start to step out on their own, and then they begin to stand on their own faith. I mean, that's powerful right there. Because, see, they can stand under your faith for so long, but they've got to grow up. And then they got to learn how to believe God for themselves. And they got to learn how to know how God's leading them. I remember when Austin was the first to move out. And he went to Ramah. And he was out there. He didn't have a job. You know, he, they had to, they, and we weren't cruel. They had to pay their tuition. They had to, they had to get a job. They had to pay their, their, their apartment. They had to do all of this. And he didn't have a job. Right? And now we didn't let him go hungry, but he's learning. Because you see, if I do everything for him, I'm, t- I'm teaching him. I'm, I'm, all I'm teaching him is that, that no matter what you do, somebody's always going to be there to fix it for you. You've got to figure this thing out. You've got to learn to stand on your own faith and, your own, and trust in the world, God yourself. And I mean, there were times we found out later, you know, God, uh, he was very determined, but he never stopped believing God. He never stopped praying. He always had a job. There were times where you ate beans. <laughs> we didn't know that till later. But, we, you know, that's okay. He made it. And he, when I found that out, you know, my first my, my instinct was, oh, that kind of breaks my heart. My son was out there struggling and I didn't fix it for him. But you know what? He needed to learn that. Because yeah. now he knows how to stand on his own faith when the problems of life hit. And a job came. He never missed a tuition payment, never missed a rent payment. Glory to God. Provided for him. He's here today. Got him a new car. Good job. Glory to God. Filled with the word of God. He stepped out. And all of our kids have learned to stand in their own faith.